Good evening and happy holidays. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your exhausted host, Rob Zachney. Joining me tonight is 3MA's exhausted panelist and founder, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to your second show of the week. (laughs) This is a crazy week of recording as we try to get a whole lot of shows done and out of the way. Yeah, uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about Unity of Command, but you already got the gang back together last night for uh, episode 150, isn't that right? We did. We got the gang back together, the old original gang for 150. So for listeners who listen to us regularly, and on 150 we have the original cast uh, together for the first week of January. The new the New Year's show gave uh, Rob uh, some time off. So he doesn't have to think about 2011 and 2012. Since I'm sure as a writer you're being forced to contribute to all these year-end lists that drive you up the wall. I know I hated doing them. Yeah, I've already uh, I've already sort of punked out on a couple just because these things come in and I just sort of stare blankly at them. And honestly, I'm 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 at this this point where people ask me like, what do I think of the games that came out this year? And I'm just I'm not sure. You know, like the 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 the, the year end sprint through reviews has right. sort of addled my brain. And all I can think of is games, but I can't really reflect on the whole year. Yeah, that's kind of where I usually am, and we were, at least, you know, for the 150 show, we talked, it was focused on one genre, but, you know, stuff just keeps coming up, and it's so hard to think about, you know, what happened in January and June, the like, it all blends into one big mix, but tonight, we have one game we're talking about, so that makes it pretty easy. Yeah, that's right, so uh, we're going to be talking about Unity of Command, a new Eastern Front war game from 2x2 games. Now, is there any connection between these guys and 2x3 games, or is that just... I have really have no idea. It's weird, I right? Mean, yeah, it's all you know. All you have two two studios have similar names. Um, both published by Matrix, but Two by Two is a very distinct studio. I mean, they're not American for one thing, as far as right. I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know it's just, yeah, it's I mean, strange they're both under the Matrix label, and uh, it's it's an odd name for developer. Probably, and here we that's go. That's something we can probably work out, I suppose, or ask uh, Sean. Uh, I guess he would know. I would think. Um, Matrix's PR guy, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I anyway. So I first heard about this uh, from one of our listeners. I want to say it was uh, Tony Kim, but schedules being what they are, uh, I didn't manage to make time for it uh, until this last week. Now, Troy, you just wrote a blog entry uh, where you said it was the interwar game that Panzer Corps should have been. Yes. Uh, care to elaborate? Panzer Corps is a game we talked about quite a bit uh, this year. It is, you know, uh, Panzer General Reborn. It is a beer and pretzels war game. It is the type of game that people... Panzer General was the type of game that people who sort of liked war games played way back in the 90s. The idea is that, you know, maybe Panzer Corps would be that sort of thing. But Unity of Command, I think, does it better because it has... It is an equally simple and intuitive war game, but it isn't puzzle-based. It isn't based on hammering strong points with the same tactics over and over again. Um, and it does really introduce important, uh, significant war game ideas that I think Panzer General doesn't. Where Panzer General or Panzer Corps sometimes breaks down into now I just buy a better tank and I just keep hitting it with my artillery and hope the number of turns don't run out. Uh, there are turn limits in Unity of Command, and you do have some of these sorts of issues, but it really isn't about you know upgrading and buying the newest equipment that just helps you do the same strategy but better scenario after scenario. I think Unity of Command is actually a better introductory war game than Panzer Corps is. I think it is a truer war game than Panzer Corps is. And if there was 
I was giving up on the idea that you could actually have a, 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 a gateway war game that would introduce people to basic concepts of war gaming in an attractive and accessible format that might lead them to something like there might be a gateway into something like Operational Art of War, which isn't a very difficult war game. It isn't especially complicated, but still, you have to get there. I think Unity of Command is the type of game that gets people in that direction. I like it quite a bit. Uh, that, that's a very good point. I think with games like uh, Operational Art of War or Gary Grigsby's War in the East, you know, they, they look a lot more intimidating than they are, but I think you have to come to them with a sort of understanding of what concepts are going to be at work uh, you know, behind those graphics, what you need to be looking for, what you need to be considering, because the game, if you aren't familiar with the conventions of the genre, it's going to be a little hard finding that information and figuring out how it's going to work. What I like about Unity of Command is uh, supply plays such a huge role, and it's done much more uh, deftly uh, than in uh, Panzer Corps, for instance, where the, this actually feels like managing supply lines. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I talked about in the blog post, and I think we should spend quite a bit of time on this, uh, because I think because supply is the single most important thing uh, in Unity of Command. And, you know, people talk about supply and logistics as this really boring side of war games, you know, and, and uh, Operational Art of War doesn't do anything to defeat that idea, because there's, you know, all these different colored circles and numbers you got to follow, uh, but you're either in supply or out of supply. What Unity of Command does, uh, which is great, that a lot of more sophisticated war games really don't, is you have attrition of supply. You can, through attacks, reduce a unit's supply and expose it to the penalties of losing supply much more quickly. And for you know a German army fighting on the uh, Eastern Front, or for a Russian army that's under-equipped and undermanned fighting uh, in the Ukraine, supply is a huge deal. And the fact that you can just it took me a while to get this idea in Unity of Command, because I kept, you know, setting my planes out to attack enemy units and just kidding supply reductions. I just wanted to just destroy troops, because that's where the breakouts happen. But you eventually, it didn't take me long to realize that supply is the number one thing going on here, and it's done so quickly and obviously because the icon interface is brilliant. If you're out of supply for too long, if these exclamation point gets getting bigger and brighter and bigger and brighter, and then you will you know, be virtually useless, be overrun and destroyed by, by weaker units because you're out of supply. And that is something that is been very difficult for war game designers, especially the more complicated war gamers designs to communicate because you know they have all this other data they want to tell you on unit size and type of unit. And, but the supply is just so well done and brilliantly organized that um, i kind of astonished how much I want. It's the first war game in a long time that I want to keep going back and play, which I think is something to say about it. And I think because it is really a logistics game, it is a unique uh, game about uh, supply and driving forward and expanding supply and reducing supply. And I love it. Right, there, there's a scenario, I think I want to say it's maybe the second or third uh, scenario in the German campaign. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it's a breakout in, in, the, in, the summer, uh, in the summer of 42. It's all the Stalingrad campaign in, the, yeah. in this game. Uh, but this is, this is a German breakout where the, the Germans have a long front with the Soviets, and they have two, like, two places where a breakout is clearly planned, where you've got, a lot of, you've got infantry on the front line, but a lot of armor... Uh, you know, clustered behind these two positions. 
And it was it was the scenario where if I wanted to be really hyper aggressive, you know, I tried to break through both at once and and drive for the objectives. But it was it was a game where I'd learned in the first scenario where supply is going to be so crucial that what I ended up doing is I had to hold uh, the the one breakthrough until the first one went through. And then I would have a supply line to link up with. Because if I launch them both simultaneously, yeah. and this is something you have to worry about, you know, if, if you fall short of linking up with with your supply lines, because it all it's all tethered to railheads yeah. uh, in this game. So, like, you need to, like, the farther you get from a railway, the more supply tapers off. So if you launch a, a you know, you know, a counterstroke through, you know, the through the planes or whatever, that's fine. That'll be great for for a couple turns. But you're going to run out of supplies if you fall short, and then those units are just going to be sitting there while that railhead is too far away to help them, and then they just get rolled up. And th- those are the sort of things you have to be thinking about in every scenario. You know, is yeah. you know, what's the timing going to be here? Is this is this going to work? Am I going to be able to reach? Are these going to be link able to link up and you know regain supply, or is somebody going to get stranded? And the penalties for encirclement are huge, because your supplies do get cut off, they're not automatic, but you can tell which units are in danger, and then you've got to go and you've got to save them. Uh, because you do have reinforcements um, that you can bring in, but you know they're not always the unit you need, and in, in the campaign especially, they're unit that's prestige points, that's how you buy the new units, you want to save those for later on in the campaign. There really is this pressure uh, to first Make sure your units are well supplied because you can't afford to lose them. And also the timing because, you know, it's a tension of I want to do this quick overrun because that saves me a couple of turns. But if I lose those units, then I'm going to lose the scenario. So it's this whole time pressure mechanic that works much better as far as a turn management game, I think, um, and the, than I, the puzzle-based games of uh, Panzer Command. A Panzer Corps. Well, and it also helps that Unity of Command's AI clearly knows how the supply works. Yes. This is an aggressive AI opponent that, if it sees any opportunity to cut your lines, it is going to go for it. And it doesn't always work out, but I mean, it, it, will, it will take advantage of encircling. It will push forward. Um, I haven't seen a war game AI that really gets the rules this clearly uh, quite, in quite a while. Yeah, I think the simplicity probably helps it, where the where the support yeah. lines are so clear and there's so few other factors, the AI can just sort of spot them and drive to cut yeah. them. But it it really works. Like you know, I've seen I've seen a couple attacks that were maybe unwise. You know, like maybe that cost them the scenario by attacking and getting some troops uh, cut off. But more often than not, what it, what it does is it it keeps you honest. Like if you leave the AI any gap and you say, well, they probably won't come charging, you know, down my throat. They probably will, you know, to be entirely honest. If you leave them any sort of gap and you think, well, you know, they're they're being driven back in all fronts, I don't need to worry, you're you're going to get, you're going to get, I mean, it's like, it's it's like you're playing, uh, you know, uh, Marshall uh, Foch, Marshall Foch, really, uh, in that, you know, when you're pushing them back, the AI is just going to turn around and attack. Uh, and really, and and really, it can be quite devastating. You know, it'll sacrifice a couple units to screw up your supply line, but in the meantime, your entire attack has to wheel around and deal now with this, you know, with this key junction that the AI is occupying. Yeah, because if you don't deal with the fact that they're trying to cut you off, you will lose many more units. Um, there really is this idea that you are there are prices enough to pay, and somebody's not going to come back alive. Uh, otherwise, you know, the Wehrmacht or the Red Guard are going to get completely and totally and utterly demolished 
because they're stranded too far from a railhead. Um, what makes it, you know, even more interesting and challenging, not about ch challenging, but gives you some flexibility, are the supply cards, which some scenarios have. You have the option to expand your supply route, expand your supply line from one of two or three different uh, supply points. And this is sometimes, I've actually spent, you know, minutes setting, well, which one do I want to use? A lot of depends on where's the attack going to come? Where's the counterattack going to come? Is this a vulnerable supply line if I choose? This one might get me to more troops, but it's more vulnerable to enemy being cutting me off. So I'll take a, what might be a less optimal uh, supply line to boost just out of fear because it's a more secure uh, supply line. So there's a lot of, st lot of really neat uh, in that that very stu that single supply mechanic, which is only one of many mechanics they have going on. I mean, that's not it's entirely about supply, but that's certainly a part of it. It it causes a lot of serious thinking and planning, and um, but very simply, this is not a difficult concept to understand. Uh, they do it so well. Uh, the UI, um, which we can spend quite a bit of time talking about, I'm sure, is excellent. Yeah, and I, and I think it will serve you well, certainly, if you move into more advanced war games where, I mean, this is about as good a treatment of supply uh, as you'll see in any war game. Like, ultimately, in any serious war game, you're probably going to be doing some variation on what you're doing here. But this is a place where the numbers are so manageable, the scale yeah. is so manageable, that you can comprehend how all the pieces fit together in a way that, you know, I never really can when I play larger uh, Operation Art of War scenarios or... Uh, war in the East. You know, I get a feel right. for how supply works, but I don't, you know, you know, with a gun on my head, I couldn't tell you the specifics, you know, the ins and outs of it. Here, right. here though, I mean, it's just, it's it's very clear. You see how it tapers off away from your supply lines. It's very easy to make plans around that. And, uh, you know, really sort of demystifies a crucial concept for, uh, for any sort of serious wargaming in a way that you're right. Like, Panzer Corps uh, it really doesn't try to do that. What, what it does is, re you, you know, resupply is just a unit basically has to take a knee for a turn and yeah. get refueled and new, new ammo, uh, which is, you know, fits its puzzle mechanics rather well because, you know, when can you afford to have a unit uh, take some time off? But it's not, that's not wargaming, really. No, I mean, it's, you you, you you pause and you wait. That's kind of what it is. There's no supply on the there's no supply on the on the run. You, know, you spend whatever you've got to in opportunity and uh, cost to let them reboot more or less. Right. And then they're back at full strength. That's kind of it. Um, you know, a, a well supplied unit in you know of command is might still be a, a weak unit. It's not going to get you know reinforcements or a lot stronger. It's you know still a damaged unit. Yeah. Um, there isn't. There aren't magical resupply troops. Um, you can bring in reinforcements, but those are fresh units. Uh, so you want to keep those supplies kind of going because even a diminished supplies reduce the unit's efficiency. So that's you know it's it's a tension of uh, it's the opportunity cost of fighting a war. Um, I think Unity of Command gets that opportunity cost thing down pretty well. And when do I move forward? When do I wait? And you're right. Sometimes you just gotta you just gotta stall uh, and wait for that other part of that other encirclement to work before you move forward. Um, Which I would argue a game like Panzer Corps never really does let you do that because the AI is so passive. Basically, your your goal is to run out there and find the solution as quickly as possible. How are you going to unlock each position? There's very little of that 
the way you have to sort of time things and figure out how the pieces of this attack are going to come together in a couple turns. You have to do that in Unity of Command. In in Panzer Corps, you kind of have to race out and see what the map looks like and figure out for your next attempt how you're going to tackle these objectives. Uh, which I think sort of speaks to uh, the the puzzle approach the Panzer Corps takes. Now, you 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 said uh, I got the sense at least from, from your uh, fr- from the piece on your blog that you don't you don't think uh, this is a puzzle game in the same way that uh, the Panzer Corps is. Not quite in the same way. I mean, it certainly. I mean, it has it has t- t- turn limits. So you know, there pretty, are pretty so severe be, ones. I would argue. Yeah. So there's, there are going to be optimal solutions. Um, there are going to be you know, places where the attack should probably happen first. I think that's pretty much as far as it goes, as far as, you know, that there is a solution to the game. Like, you need to have this number of tanks and this many infantry to take this point. One of the problems with Panzer Corps, which, you know, was a good game uh, for what it was. I don't want to think I hate Panzer Corps, uh, but compared to Unity of Command, it really is you know, apples and oranges in so many ways. In Panzer Corps, there was often this feeling that I had that, I couldn't, if my artillery died because I was an idiot, you know, three turns ago, that that was it. I mean, I could not take to the point without artillery. Right. By keeping things relatively simple with just, you know, infantry and tanks and other ways of doing it, I, I can actually take a city if I beat at it long enough, if I, get an, if I keep my supply line strong, cut off the enemy supply, weaken their units, there are more solutions to the problems. Uh in unity of command, despite the tight turn limits, uh, than there are in uh, in Panzer Corps, where there often feels like, you know, if you don't have this when the time comes, you're kind of screwed. And that's just the feeling I got. Now, you, do, do you not think that? No, I, I, I do. Uh, w- w- those are definitely valid criticisms of, of Panzer Corps, and I, and I do I do think you, we should be careful... You, you say that you kind of, this is the game you kind of wish uh, Panzer, Panzer Corps was... I don't go quite that far because I enjoy the I enjoy the Panzer General style game enough that I that I'm happy that Panzer Corps is out there. This does feel like a proper war game in a way that, yeah. that the other does not. But I but I do think that yes, Panzer Corps definitely had this thing where defeat had its own momentum. Yeah. And so if you lost a veteran unit, you know one of one of the ones you'd upgrade with the latest gear and everything. If you lost that in a mission, uh, chances are you were totally screwed now because yeah. you needed those elite tanks and if you didn't have them the next mission was going to be basically impossible and you weren't going to do very well and then it was just going to sort of snowball through the campaign until you hit a wall uh yeah. which which isn't a lot of fun and yeah it, there's there were too many moments in panzer corps where it's like well turn four i'm, I'm screwed time to restart this yeah. i don't quite have that feeling however 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 the i mean the the victory conditions here are tough man I, I mean, I've I, yeah. I've run a lot of these missions several times, and not managed to break um not managed to break normal victory. Getting getting it within the time frame because the the victory locations decrease in value as the yeah. mission as the as the mission goes on. So a lot of these things you might have like twelve turns to do it, but really the game kind of hopes that you can achieve it all by turn six. And the yeah. idea, like looking at these scenarios and the way they're constructed, I do not see. How that's possible, unless I somehow, until unless I somehow guess the magic combination that the designer had, the scenario designer had in mind that would let me do that. Yeah, I mean they are very tight conditions, and I think a lot of it has to do with 
my guess, my, I mean, I haven't had any brilliant victories either or decisive victories or whatever. They're often I'm doing it a couple of turns before uh, the tournament runs out, but you know, there's some the, the clock is ticking and I can see, you know, Stalin pointing at his watch saying, come on guys, time's running out. That it certainly is an issue. I'm not sure if it is really related to there being an optimal solution as much as it is remembering the optimal tactics. Uh, one thing I do not do a whole lot of, that maybe I should do more of, is the extended movement. Uh, a lot of... I tend to attack and move and retreat. And sometimes I wonder if maybe I did extended movement and focus more on the supply game than I already do, uh, that maybe it actually would do it actually better. Um, so I'm not using all the tools at my disposal better. Now this is also, you know, war gamer guilt, you know. Clearly the problem must be me. This can't be the fault of the designers, because, you know, they're, they know what they're doing and I don't. Um, so maybe it is there is a perfect solution that I'm missing. Um, I'm not quite clear on that yet. Right now I'm seeing, the, I, I'm getting the feeling that, no, I'm just not understanding everything quite right. I'm not understanding all the. I'm not understanding the importance of destroying a bridge. Uh, I'm not understanding the importance of um, using extended movement instead of attack and move. I'm not willing to go as far as to say that it's just you know these guys have re have, re real, have ridiculous expectations. I'm sure they do, but Panzer Corps also has ridiculous expectations on a lot of their scenarios, especially if, as you said, you know you lose a couple of key units early on, you might as well forget it. Yeah, I would agree with that, um, and I do think, I understand that a war game like this is sort of caught in a trap where uh, dudes like me are going to say, well, I want a challenge, but when it, when you when you serve one up like, like they have here, there, there's going to be a distinct possibility they're going to turn around and say, "Well, wait, this is total. This is totally bogus. This isn't. This isn't a fair challenge. This isn't the the type of challenge that I wanted." Um, yeah. and, and so, I mean, there is. I understand the 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 trap that uh, developers are in, as they often are in the strategy genre, uh, with sort of the conflicting things we want from these games. But I don't know. It's. It's it's something I wonder about in sort of the scenario based uh, war game where, you know, I mean, can you can you really create a scenario that doesn't have an optimal solution and should I like is it is it yeah. fair to complain that well there's there's one thing that works here, well you know the like for a really brilliant victory to really unlock a tricky position maybe there is only one thing that works it's not something you just sort of feel out you have to from the first moment sort of diagnose the problem. And then make it work, right. and, and then that's not, then that's not a problem with the game. Then that's just the fact that I'm not as good a war gamer as I wish I were. And this is accurately <laughs> this is doing it. This is accurately representing uh, the, the sort of challenges that the, the sort of the sort of agile thinking and uh, you know insightfulness that you have to have to understand the way these things work. I think that one of the great things with Unity of Command is the puzzle game or not, it does expose the tactical problems you're facing pretty clearly and openly. Um, so if you're even passively interested in, you know, topics of war, um, I think that it does an excellent job of, you know, because one thing that I want to write about, I probably let's talk about, is it, it's a war game with no fog of war, which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, even Panzer Corps had a fog where you couldn't see every unit on the map. You couldn't see all the enemy units until you found them. Right. Uh, in general. So there's a fog of war. This is a game with zero fog of war. 
Wait, I don't um, swear I've seen some enemy units though materializing. Although that's probably reinforcements coming. That's probably reinf that, that, that's reinforcements coming yeah. out. That's not uh, because you can see, you know, miles and miles and miles away. Uh, which is you know fine. I mean, that's the way things are. Uh, but it's this is a, so that's you know a huge abstraction that they're giving. They're saying everything's out in the open. So in that way, it kind of is a tactical puzzle game because they're not hiding you any any information. Um, there aren't any surprise units that pop up unless they spend reinforcement points. Uh, but you have a general idea of what kind of reinforcements are coming. They'll either be tanks or they'll be infantry. There aren't a whole lot of puzzles uh, going on here. They're not going to automatically show up with a Messerschmitt 252 and then kill everything. That's just not how this game works. That, that's a very good point. I think maybe that is one of the reasons that I, that I ended up so frustrated with the campaign in, uh, in Panzer Corps in that you've got a game that places a premium on speed, but then puts such a heavy penalty on blundering into an enemy unit that you didn't know was there. So yeah. it's a game where it's constantly saying, oh my god, rush, 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 because you, you know, you've, you, you're never going to pass the scenario unless you move faster. But then when you try to move fast, now, unless you just sort of know this unit's going to be there, barring the road, you're going to lose an entire unit. Uh, just stumbling into an ambush, which is yeah. really frustrating. Whereas this, yes, speed is at a premium, but it doesn't do that sort of, you know, it, it does it doesn't you know do that ha ha hurry slowly uh, thing yeah. that Panzer Corps did. This is you you see the problem before you, and uh, you know you can you can react accordingly. Yeah, I mean, which kinds of makes it kind of silly. I mean, the, I've got a bit of a laugh because you got a, one of the great things, but. You, to upgrade units in Unity of Command, you can spend prestige points to attach battalions to them. Kind of a Hearts of Iron type thing. You know, you can add an anti-tank unit. You can add uh, an engineer unit to your other unit. That gives them increased abilities. Uh, one thing uh, you... One of them is a, is a recon unit. But I can already see everything. So what does the recon unit actually give me? It apparently increases your attack, uh, attack skills, your defense skills, because you can see things better, I suppose. But, you know, I thought it was funny to have a recon unit attack attached to a unit. We can already see everything happening in front of me. Um, so I just thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, and it leaves cavalry in kind of a weird position in this game, too, where, uh, you there know... A lot of, there's a lot of cavalry in the early scenarios. A ton. A ton. There, it's it's kind of like Warhorse. Oh, my God. What is that? Never mind, I'm not going to get sidetracked on World War One movies because uh, cause then, then, I've been dying to ask you about what the hell was that Canadian war movie with Paul Gross? Uh, the uh, Passchendaele. Uh, well, oh, yeah, P Passchendaele. That's one of the great Canadian... Uh, well, one of the, it's one of the iconic Canadian battles. Yeah, the movie was crazy, though, man. I haven't seen it. Oh, you you should. It's it's really interesting. I've never seen, I've never seen a movie like... So both repulsed by the idea, tr tries to like show off World War One and all its horror, but then it's also trying to say at the same time, man, Canadians World War One were awesome, uh, which is kind of this weird. World, it's this War, weird World War One. World War One has this odd place in Canadian culture. Um, you and I have to talk about this sometime. Not in this podcast, yeah. another podcast. Uh, World War One is really well. A lot of the Commonwealth nations. Canada's not alone in this. World War One's where Canada grew up, more or less. Got kind of tired of being pushed around as a colony by bad British generals. Yeah. But we kicked ass, so therefore... It seems like it went, it went more happily for you than uh, it did for Australia. Oh, no. <laughs> no? Not the no, least. No, well, I mean, well, G -G 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 Passion Devil was kind of Canada's G -G Gallipoli. 
fair enough. In many ways. So. Uh, but anyway, that, that, that's neither here nor there. No, I'm, I, so I can't figure out if those, if those cavalry units are... They, they, they can't represent, like, actual, like, mounted units, can they? They have to be sort of a stand-in for, I this don't know, like, is, lightly this, mechanized this, units? This is kind of why we need Bruce. Yeah. Because he knows the Eastern Front, or Bruce or Lum, because if anyone knows, you know, World War One or well, World War II... I, I know the Germans didn't use horse troops after Barbarossa. No, the, 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 the Germans didn't. Uh, did the Russians, because there are a lot of Russian cavalry running around. That's just, and, that's entirely possible. And some Romanian cavalry, but screw yeah. them. So yeah, but the, so there's a lot of there's a lot of cavalry running around. So I mean, yeah, there's there's light infantry, there's infantry, there's motorized, there's armor, and those are that's really about it. And one of the other things this game sort of throws out. Does, the does, window, that, wait, does that bother you? Not at all. Not at all. Do you want to expand on that? Why this limitation in the number of units actually is not an issue for you? Well, I mean, I think you, I think you addressed it pretty well when you were talking about uh, when you were talking about Panzer Corps. Where after a certain point, does it really matter if it's a Panzer IV, you know, D or Panzer IV F? Like, I mean, sure it does. Like, if you know, if you're getting down to the brass tacks of like this versus a T thirty four. Uh, seventy six, you know that that matters. But I think in a, in a war game at this level, you know, you know, it's it's your tanks versus their tanks, and they're right. competitive on the battlefield. And the specifics you don't need to know. You don't need to care about this. So why would you? Um, so I mean that that doesn't bother me. Like it, it shows what the use of each unit is. Uh, you know, armor is great for breaking through. It's incredibly destructive. Um, it's also scarce. It's a scarce commodity, so you need to use it well and, uh, you know, very strategically. Uh, infantry sort of holds the line. It, it wears down the enemy. Beyond that, the specifics I don't think really matter uh, in your average war game. Even when they try to pretend they do, they really don't. Like, my final thought, like, you know, in the operational art of war, you can go in and see the composition of every army unit. Armor unit? How often does it really matter if you, like, knowing what specific tank you know, is the basis for that armor division. Yeah, we could go on forever about the whole idea uh, behind Operation Armor, and I think we actually did uh, one show. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but the whole conception of building a, a game based on, well, this is the type of, these are the thousands of different kinds of units you have. Um, well, so one that, in the yeah. East does it too, though. I mean, you can't build right. it. It, does not, not, it doesn't have the same ambition, but it still has that granular detail tucked into it. Right. But they don't. But there's great, great details there. But they don't say you know this is the differences. Operation Large War said this is these are the number these are the types of units you have and you add them together and this is your combat value, uh, which was War in the East doesn't quite go that far. But you're right, it does have the same breakdown. You know, oh, how many different types of these things you have? Which, yeah, I agree is kind of of questionable use past a certain point. A lot depends on the type of the, the level of the game uh, you're working with. Um, and because this is an operational level game, um, that it does have different expectations, I think, than a squad level game would. So you don't have to have all that information. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just finished uh, reviewing Octane Panzer Operation Star, where when a German Tiger tank rolls onto the battlefield, uh, that's like Thor coming down. You know, I mean, you understand suddenly the incredible power of, of the single vehicle to change the tide of a company level engagement because the thing is just the Terminator. Right. But if you look at if you look at World War II on sort of the macro scale, I mean, like, uh, you know, the the Panther the Panther was a great tank, but did it make a difference at at the Battle of Kursk? 
you know, ultimately not really. Um, now, I mean, you know, you can have the historian's argument about what the, the, you know, what role it played, but I think if you're looking at the operational level, ultimately, you know, those differences sort of flatten, just as the difference between, uh, you know, the the standard issue rifle. Uh, you know, what's what's the Car uh, 98 versus the uh, Nagan? What's the difference there? Well, you're at this level. Who cares? So um, I I really like the simplicity of it, um, though. To be honest, you know. I kind of miss having the clear distinction constantly that oh, this is a that this is my elite unit. Now you have these, you have it in a few places. You have but, named uh, units, by, yeah. You know, you have named units, but I don't. I, I guess I'd kind of like to have my elite units look much better. Yeah, instead of like, like a little stand star. Out better. Yeah. yeah, like a, have something like really stand out. Um, because you know, there's a lot to be said for the quality of the UI and the iconography. Uh, which I think is quite well done uh, in a lot of ways. It's a very, uh, it's a good-looking game. I don't, I don't I know some people were kind of put off by the look of it. That it, you know, I had was a bit of first. a, yeah. Um, you, you weren't alone. Who said, you know, this is kind of looks kind of cartoony or something. That Chris never got to me that much, but you know, I'm like my cartoons. Yeah, I, 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 I understand. I, I get what you mean because the. The iconography is very clear, but it doesn't make some of those differences when they do when they do matter. It doesn't make them pop nearly as much yeah. as I might wish. Yeah, uh, except for you know the distinction between which which army is which and which ally is which. Yeah, it, uh, it does it really a great job of calling attention to supply, like you said. But there things like who you know who's a lead, like who should who should be leading the charge. Uh, that's that's important to know. That's useful information to be able to tell at a glance. And everything sort of fades into sort of sameness. Like there's my tank, there are my tanks, there are my infantry, and it might be that one of them is actually very good and different than the others, and that doesn't yeah. jump out at you, and and it should. Yeah, it's a, it's a small thing, but you know, in a game with such great iconography, why should it make me read? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, I mean, why should you have to be scrutinizing? I barely have to scrutinize the info panel at all because so much is shown yeah. right there on the map. But for these, for those concepts, for for what bonuses a unit has, then I have to go to the info panel. And I think with just you know a different icon or something or a different marker on the icon, even yeah, uh, you could you could make that much clearer. Uh, there, there was one other thing I, I want to talk about, uh, sort of in the vein of supply, but. You know the the way this the way this game um, really it, it doesn't entirely ignore uh, a, a lot of a lot of concepts, but it, it but it abstracts them. It sort of again like it plays them as cards. Uh, mm -hmm. Air power leap uh, yeah. comes to mind because again this is this is a staple of your average operational war game, which is you have to manage your your uh, you know close air support units and your fighter units and you know task them and and see where they're based here you don't have to do any of that but air power still matters yes uh, you you have a limited number of airstrikes to call in per term turn and uh, you know that's that's sort of dependent on their efficacy is sort of dependent on weather but I I, I love the way this game handles stuff like that and the supply card where it doesn't leave it out of the game. You still have to think about this, how you're going yeah. to use this resource. But it doesn't because become something you have to manage. It's a it's a button to use at will. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's not. You aren't shuffling. Uh. You aren't, you aren't shuffling planes to airfields, which is something that uh, you would have in a lot of Eastern Front games. Is are these planes in range? Uh, you are the army commander. You're not the Luftwaffe commander. Your expectation is the planes will be there when you need them. And you can call them in um, a certain number of strikes per turn. There aren't. Uh, there's no. 
There any, there's no interception as far as I can tell. There's no anti-aircraft. Just, you know, these are these are cards you play in a very Memoir 44. You know, there's a... Exactly what it, the comparison came to my mind. Yeah, you have, you have an airstrike, and that's kind of it. Um, and you choose where the airstrikes go, and you will spend them on either attacks to generally uh, to soften up an entrenched unit or to uh, stop a spearhead uh, of an enemy assault or to make your uh, overruns uh, move more smoothly. Um, there's not a lot of difficult, there are a lot of difficult choices in how to use it. It's a question of where you will use it. I learned you know, pretty quickly this isn't something you can disperse. Um, that's one, my one piece of advice, do not disperse your airstrikes. Do not put one here and one there and one there. Hit something hard with them. Uh, and that's kind of my big piece of advice for the night, I suppose. Well, I'm not. I'm not doing very well at the game, so take this with a grain of salt. But I totally disperse them uh, when I because when, when I'm trying to get a pincer going, like I need, I I, I want to make sure, damn sure, my armor does not get slowed down. So I will sort of scatter my airstrikes to give them that crucial edge that will help them break through. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I generally just hit them, hit something hard with them. Um, I get my troops in place and then just go after something and just hammer it. But but I think that's the the memoir comparison is interesting. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I um, w- was out in uh, it was out in San Francisco to look at um, Jagged Alliance back in action. But while I was out there, I spent some time with a with a good friend of mine, a, a wargaming buddy, and a listener to the show. Uh, and you know, we played a couple war games, and one of them was a game called Tide of Iron, uh, which he described to me as sort of a uh, it's 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 sort of halfway between, uh, you know, memoir at one, one end of the spectrum and uh, advanced squad leader at the other, where it's a game that's, you know, is, is very accessible, but there's a lot of advanced wargaming concepts in it, but it's, it's very easy to play with them and understand them. And there's certain special scenario rules um, that come up that it's not like it's not like ASL where you have to sort of internalize a new, you know, subsection of the rulebook and refer to it... Uh, you know, as if it's you know, as if it's uh, you know, the, the penal code or something, and you're a lawyer. Uh, you don't have to do that, so it allows you to have this very fast, accessible uh, wargaming experience that a game like Memoir specializes in, uh, but with sort of the richness that your more Grognardian games like ASL uh, allow for. And Unity of Command, I think, finds that same that same space, and it's something that I think. Uh, PC war games have have really sort of been hurting for, which is you know. Getting getting from games like, uh, you know, like from Panzer General to uh, you know the Operational Art of War or Grigsby's games, that's that's always been sort of hard. There's never been there's never been an easy second game that suggests someone plays, and a game yeah. like Unity of Command, if this becomes a series, and I really hope it does, I would love to see this you know take on Africa, for instance. Yes. Um, it, something like this could really fill that gap really neatly. Where okay, you have a basic grasp of war games, uh, fantastic. Uh, here's here's the ne- here's the next game. Right, and this is a, a surprise. I mean, Unity of Command is not even my. Th- I thought I looking at what I've read about it, it was a game I thought I would enjoy. But this become actually one of my favorite strategy experiences of the year. Wow. I think uh, it is. You know, it's, I haven't played as many games as one or two this year. Uh, as far as games that are complete, I mean, it's it's this and Shogun Two. I think. Excluding clients, of course. This is a good time to sort of reflect on, um, 
you know, sort of the wargaming strategy game game we, we've done this year. And I would say that one of the one of the bright spots I think has been wargaming in this last year. We opened with, uh, you know, Grigsby's War in the East, a game that I did not think I would like, and uh, that mm-hmm. it was it was surprisingly delightful. I liked that a great deal more than I ever expected. And uh, you know, then we got Panzer Corps uh, renewing Panzer General, and uh, you know, in between. Uh, you know, looking back on it, I had a lot. I, I had a lot of problems with combat mission battle for Normandy, mm-hmm. but after spending more time with it and getting a little distance from it, uh, there's there's an awful like uh, an awful lot to uh, like about that game as well. This has really been a year where wargaming. Uh, a lot of sort of the standard complaints that I've had about the genre in the last couple of years. This has been one of the first years where I really say the like developers are actually responding to it. Like there, there, there are things like they're addressing well, like to, a lot of that. Though to be fair, I mean it's not like we're spending a lot of time looking at the the the, the, the tiller games um, and seeing where they've gone, or uh, what's the the new Battle of the Bulge game? Have you played that one? Uh, is that the Panther one? It's <sighs> not. It, how new is it? Is my question. Yeah, that's a good if, question. Is this, the, is this the sequel to Conquest of the Aegean? Yes. Okay, then uh, that's Panther Games. No, I have not, but. In fairness, I would say that both of those developers are kind of irrelevant. And this is, and what I mean by that is, these are developers who have clearly made a decision to make a particular type of game for a niche audience, and they're going to keep making it because nobody else is. Nobody else make, yeah. creates those experiences. This is doubly true, I think, in the case of Panther Games. And I mean, we don't spend a lot of time looking at them in part because we don't have, we're not smart enough. We don't have the time. Uh, we don't have the money uh, to get us all copies of uh, uh, of Panther Game stuff. But th- those have sort of sequestered themselves off very very purposefully right. in the niche that I'm not sure war games have always done. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the game that I started. I mean, I like Conquest of the Aegean quite a bit. I think it's you know, kind of it's a very important war game and a really good war game. Um, you know, it's a it's a, tradi- it's a it's a real-time war game. I think it's, a, a, it's one of the very best ones to come out in quite a long time. But I haven't tried uh, the Panther Games Battle of the Bulge game, but it is something I think I want to try. Um, but I don't think it will scratch my itch the way Unity of Command does because it does. As I got as I you know as I get older, you know, I just don't have. I still like really deep war games, so that's like people are worried that we, we we've lost our grognard edge. Because uh, you know there's going to come, we just don't appreciate it anymore. Those charges are going to come to us. I mean, say, I mean, War in the East is is a triumph. It is a triumphant game. It is big. It is beautiful. It is obnoxious. It's in your face, and it's brilliant. Uh, war in the East is certainly up there as a, a, one of the great war games of the last decade. But Unity of Command is it's something you can get into, and it feels like a war game, but you can get out real quick as well. Um, without feeling like you're compromising, without feeling like it isn't a legitimate war game, uh, like you know, Panzer Corps, you can play it and you can enjoy it, but there's never it doesn't really pretend to be a war game. I think it pretends to be a, a game with tanks. Uh, it it is mem- mem- it's Memoir 44. Only there's a solution um, to the puzzles. And Memoir, whereas the really Memoir 44, the only solution is to throw the board at Bruce Garrick, and that's kind of it. The game's over. Flip the table and you're done. Uh, that's the only solution to Memoir 44. Uh, but th- Unity of Command is a legitimate, honest war game with serious. I mean, the supply mechanic is a serious mechanic. I mean, it, they do not have to have that. 
they can just have what Panzer Command does, Panzer Corps does. You know, just move the units around, uh, and some live and some die, and that's it. There is supply in Panzer Corps, but it really doesn't fit. The, but it doesn't get cut off the way it does. It's something you exhaust, but it doesn't get cut off. There's no right. threat of you losing. There's no threat of you not being in supply if you just wait. Um, you can't outrun your supply line. I guess they're just air dropping, you know, bullets. Unity of Command makes you stop and think about your plan. And your plan isn't going to be based on, as you said, well, you lost an elite tank unit last last mission. Too bad. You're kind of screwed for the next 20. Um, that never really becomes an issue. Um, you know, they were, they let you know pretty early in the campaign, you know, don't go spending all your prestige right now because you might need that later for other units and other missions. and let you know that straight up front. Uh, but I've never felt like... Well, you're screwed because you rolled badly with your dice and you lost your tanks. Too bad. Yeah. Um, it's, I, it really feels like a legitimate war game where I have the choices. Now, are decisive victories easy? No. No, no, no. They're very difficult to get. Um, I, I kind of see them as kind of like the gold missions in a lot of games that have achievements. I, mean, I just, I just want to get through the campaign at this point. I'm not going to be getting any decisive victories. Um, I'm not going to be the Fuhrer or the great leader's you know, pet general for a while. But I am liking it quite a bit. Uh, so Panzer Command uh, by take... By Unity two of by Command. Two, Unity of Command by two by two. Uh, you guys did a good game. And I think we have something to give away. We do. I think we, we still have one key. Uh, yeah. we, we were supposed to have a full panel for tonight, and so we used a lot of keys on panelists uh, who ultimately were not able to join us. Uh, so yeah. I think there's one key that has not been uh, that has not been spoken for, and uh, we'll be giving that away to a listener. Um, How do you want to do this? Oh, boy. Um, we could just do what we always do, post in the comments, and if you want it, uh, we'll enter your name in a random draw. That's That sounds great. Uh it certainly sounds better than me trying to invent a trivia question on the spot. A, tr- a trivia question? Wikipedia answers all our trivia questions. Not for 3MA, because we're not on Wiki- Wikipedia. Why are we on Wikipedia? I don't know. I don't hey, know guys, know. get on that. We, 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 we've we, got we, a key for the first person to create a Wikipedia entry. And to prove that we are notable. Yeah. Because we're not um, notable, that's gone. No, but seriously, put it, put it, uh, you know, just put it in the yeah. comments. Let us know if you want, if you want the spare key, and uh, we will randomly select and announce that. Uh, well, probably second week of January because everything else yeah. is going to be in the can. That's about it for this show. Next week, uh, we are going to. I'm going to be hosting uh, Randall Bills from Catalyst Games, and uh, a couple people from Piranha who are working on MechWarrior Online, and we're going to be talking about uh, the latest edition of the BattleTech board game. Uh, to go to print, and uh, sort of the the BattleTech universe and the the, the odd gaming construct that it is. Uh, so that, so that's next week. Uh, any other business, Troy? Have a merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah. It's, it's Hanukkah today. When recording this, Hanukkah started today, right? I yes, I believe it did. Uh, so have a nice holidays. Yeah, uh, your, your mission is happy holidays. That that is yes, that is your mission. That and post in the comments uh, if you want this game, and if you like World War Two, uh, this is the kind of game you should probably get. Yeah, it really is. I think it it sort of distills uh, again, like a lot of the pleasure you're going to get from more serious war games. It's right here. It's just you're going to get it in the space of a forty minute play session, as opposed to, you know, 
10 hours. Yes. This is a good, and if you aren't sure you like war games, uh, this is a good game to get. I think it'll let you find the answer to that question. Absolutely. Uh, all right, that was that was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, just adding my voice to Troyce here. Uh, happy holidays to all our listeners, and uh, thank you so much for sticking with us through a transitional year. And uh, I look forward to the next one. Good night, everyone. <laughs>